Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. All right, so today we are going to be talking about how to deal with burnout and anxiety in horse training and just working with horses in general. And I think we both have some personal experience with this, so hopefully that will help, but also we might not be able to give the best advice because we also struggle with these things, but I think it can be helpful to talk about it. Yeah, and I think it's a really common thing. I think the majority of horse people struggle with one or both of those things. Yeah, I think so too. Like I see a lot of people who, you know, will take like a year off of, you know, being with horses or whatever. And I totally get that because there's just so much burnout that can happen when we do so much with it. And I definitely relate from when I had Coco, when she was going through her really kind of severe medical issues, I had to be there like, you know, every single day at a specific time. And that's how a lot of horse care is. If you do like self-care board or whatever, or you own your own horses at your house or whatever. So it's just a lot to always have to do it every single day. And it's really cool. And it's like a very awesome thing to have, but it can get to be a lot when you just have to keep doing it every single day. Yeah, it can definitely be exhausting, especially like you said, with self-care or if they live with you, because then you're not just like specifically going out for a certain amount of time to train or to groom and ride. Like you're also planning medical care or trims or just daily feeding. There's so much that goes into horses, especially when you're caring for them mostly on your own. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, I guess, the the maybe negative side of self-care board or keeping them at your house. Although, I mean, it's obviously a blessing to have them at your house, but that can be one of the negatives of that. But then on the other hand, I feel like at a boarding barn, you have the positive of maybe having like more support with the care and hopefully having people who can help you out with the horse care there but then also you have people who you know maybe you feel anxiety from having like people around while you're working with the horse I know that's a big thing for me like I have kind of anxiety whenever there's sort of more traditional people around and I'm doing something in an untraditional way and I'm like "Uh uh-oh these people are really kind of judging me or they think what I'm doing is weird or things like that. Yeah, and even just with how we care for our horses, because I know we both have a more like natural approach, I guess, to horse care. So finding a boarding barn that actually accepts that can be really challenging. That's so true. And in my experience, a lot of time when I do find a boarding barn that has good care, there's like other things I don't like. Like I might not like how they train or how they're like handling my horse on an everyday basis. And so it's just really tough to find a place that you really can fit in with. Definitely. I think since my horses have been home, I've had less burnout with like the care aspect of my horses, but I feel like I've had a harder time with the training because I'm just like always with them. (laughs) So I feel like in some weird way, it's kind of harder to specifically set aside time for training because I'm spending so much on care. And again, I just live here. So (laughs) I see them all the time. And like there's some unintentional training happening, but I have a hard time actually making myself train in a specific training setting. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that's kind of like I experienced that when I was staying with the horses for a week and like, you know, pet sitting them while their owner was out of town. And I am used to like 
driving 30 minutes to get there. And it's like this whole thing that I have to plan out and tell their owner in advance that I'm coming because it's at her house. So I don't want to just show up at her house without, you know, letting her know I'm coming. So um, I was used to really like kind of planning it out and like, this is my training time. And then when I was living there, it was just kind of like, okay, well, now I'm just here all the time. And I don't really know like when I'm going to want to get up and go outside. It's just like harder to force yourself. Not really like, obviously you shouldn't be forcing yourself. You should want to do it, but like, it's really hard to like work up that motivation to just like go outside and do it when it's right there for some reason. It seems like it should be the other way around, but it's not weirdly. (laughs) Yeah. You'd think it would be, but it's definitely not. I mean, I'm sure for some people it is. For me, I think a lot of the issue is that it's not diagnosed, but I'm like 99% sure I have ADHD. So I'll like come out here with the intention to train and then all of a sudden I'm cleaning the entire barn ceiling to floor. (laughs) So that's really hard too because there's so many different aspects to horses like I said. So I might come out here with one intention and then do something entirely different and then just forget I was even going to do it. Yeah that's so true like when you have to manage the whole property and everything like you do there's so many little things that you probably have to take care of and then that kind of can be distracting especially you know like you said for for you having ADHD yeah definitely and then it just becomes this whole day of doing a million little tasks that I just planned on training the horses but (laughs) it's okay yes that happens to me a lot just like in the house and I'm just like trying to (laughs) accomplish something in the house and you go but wait there's this other thing I need to do really quick and then I just go off on a rabbit hole of like random things to do (laughs) yeah yeah not really an anxiety or burnout situation but managing ADHD is hard too yes for sure (laughs) I think one of the sort of more anxiety inducing experiences that I have had lately is kind of transitioning back into the boarding barn situation from being at a very private place where it was just the horse's owner who lived there and then me and there was almost never anybody else there so it was very quiet very peaceful I was alone most of the time or if not alone it was just my friend Joe who is really great and I was not you know anxious about having her around or anything and so now I'm in a pretty large boarding barn working with Charlie the new horse that I've been working with and it's just like a really different situation there because there are so many people there so many horses there and Charlie is actually having some issues with his hooves like he's just a little sore on his hooves he was trying to transition to barefoot from having shoes but it didn't really go well apparently and so they're going to get the shoes back on which is you know a whole other topic but anyways he's pretty sore and so he wants to come out of the pasture and he wants to play but he just kind of goes at his own really slow pace and you know avoids the rocks and it can take me you know 20-25 minutes to get him out of the pasture just with him walking slowly and taking his time and you know being at liberty to walk away if he chose to and you know sometimes he would stop and take a break and eat grass and then re-engage with me all those type of things so anyways it was just taking me a really really long time and there were you know like people there and there was a woman who was like walking with her horse and trying to let him hand graze and stuff like that. And she was just kind of like watching me. And I was like, oh no, this is so terrible. Cause you know, like all the traditional people are going to see that and be like, why don't you just like force your horse to walk out of the pasture? This is ridiculous. And like, I just don't like having that judgment on me. So that was really uncomfortable for me. And maybe she wasn't even judging me. Maybe she was just like, 
you know, maybe I was like a new person. She'd never seen me before because I just started going there and things like that. So maybe she didn't mean it at all in a rude way, but it still like came across to me as feeling like I was being judged. So it was just really, you know, made me nervous. And I think a lot of times, maybe to like a lesser extent than spending like a half hour getting a horse out of the field, hopefully. But I think a lot of us who do positive reinforcement may like have a situation like that in a boarding barn where there's people who maybe are judging you or even if they're not, you feel like they are. And that is just, that makes it really hard to focus on the horse and to really be like present in that moment and to not be focused on what other people are thinking. Yeah, I definitely experienced that a lot when I was boarding. The last barn, thankfully it was like, for the longest time, it was just me and then the barn owner. And they were actually kind of interested in what I was doing. So that was really cool. But any experience before that, I also felt like a lot of people were judging me, especially if I would like have wonder in the arena loose and then someone be, would be coming in. They'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why is your horse just like wild? <laughs> he wasn't, but to them, mm-hmm. like they're just so used to horses being like fully tacked up or being lunged. Like that's just the norm. There's not a lot of, I guess, liberty type training, whether it's positive reinforcement or not going on in my area. So I definitely felt like I was getting a lot of weird looks, (laughs) but I mean, I just, not the best advice because I don't think we have much good advice for this, but I would intentionally go when I knew it would be less busy. So like really early in the morning, usually there was no one around. A lot of the time the barn owners weren't even awake yet. (laughs) So that was like the perfect time to go because when I had the arena to myself, I was calm. So my horse was calm. It just worked out really nicely. But it can be hard when you're at a busier barn too. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And that's definitely advice that I would give too, of just, you know, if it makes you more comfortable to go at a specific time when there aren't people there, that's totally fine. Like, I don't know, I always feel like antisocial or whatever if I do that, but it's like, I'm not there to talk to people. I'm there to work with the horse. And so if you're there to work with the horse, that's totally fine to just prioritize that and go at the time that is best for that. And then another thing that really helped me too when I was experiencing that situation with Charlie was I talked to my friend Melissa, who also boards at that barn, MZR Horsemanship on Instagram. Um, I talked to her about it and I mentioned like, oh yeah, I felt really uncomfortable about this. And basically she just responded to me being like, oh yeah, when I used to work with Charlie and his feet were sore then too, the same thing happened. And so like, it's okay. And then I thought about it more and I was like, yeah, I mean... I guess like thinking about it logically, I would rather know that I was going slow and letting the horse like have that choice and kind of prioritize that rather than worry so much about what other people are thinking. Obviously that doesn't prevent the anxiety, but I do think like kind of being able to like acknowledge like, yeah, I'm feeling this anxiety, maybe like talk about it with somebody and then think through like, yeah, I feel anxious about this, but I still know that I'm doing the right thing for my horse. And for me, I think that can help a lot. And also for me, like going into this situation, already doing positive reinforcement and like kind of having that as like what people will know about me to begin with, if I think it's somewhat easier that way, instead of like, if you're kind of transitioning over from more traditional training and you have to kind of like, you know, have people around you who are seeing you do something different and then that brings up questions as well if they're used to seeing you do traditional stuff and then they see you doing something different so sometimes even like a change of barn or something can be helpful but 
change of barn is also a really big step and can be pretty traumatic for the horse and possibly for the human too. So definitely don't just like change barns like without thought. But I do think that having a new space could probably be helpful. Yeah, I think so too. The first barn I had wonder at, I was still kind of doing a bit of a combination. So I would have like sessions that were clearly positive reinforcement, but I was still riding. So I think kind of going into it like that did help a little bit with the people being judgmental towards me, or at least me thinking they were. I don't know what they were actually thinking, but going to the following boarding barn, I was already doing fully positive reinforcement. So I felt I guess less anxious about it because that's just what I was already doing. So that transition kind of helped, but that barn was also pretty slow. There weren't very many people there. So that also is very helpful if you can find a less busy barn, but that's also not possible for everyone. Yeah, that's so true. I really like those quieter barns so much more, but I do really like the barn that I've been going to. It's really beautiful and so far, the people I have met there are nice, and um, it's, it is like quieter than you would expect because there are so many horses there. I don't even want to guess how many horses there are. There are just so many, and there's probably like, you know, um, three to five people there usually when I've gone there. I've only been there a few times so far, but um, like I would honestly expect more given how many horses there are, but yeah. I think it's still it's very beautiful there and there is a lot of space and you know there's an outdoor arena around Penn and indoor arena trails and like a lot of pastures two different barns so there's a lot of different spaces you can go there too if you do want to get away from people um there's like different areas that you could bring your horse so I think that helps too yeah that would be really helpful I wish more barns had more space like that Yes, me too. Um, <laughs> and then I guess like another tip that I would give if somebody is feeling anxious is like also remember, you know, when we like are breaking things down for our horses, it can also be helpful sometimes to do that for yourself. Like if you're nervous about doing, you know, your training session in front of people, you don't have to just immediately feel comfortable doing like a whole training session full of like complex behaviors and stuff in front of someone if that's uncomfortable for you you can just start by like for me I know I was nervous to even just go and not ride my horse because it was such a norm when I was a kid at the boarding barn I boarded at to just go and everyone rides their horse and maybe I was just way overthinking it but I was really nervous to even just like groom my horse and then put her away or like hand graze her stuff like that so even just starting with those really small steps of like I'm doing something that's like a little bit not what you would expect or like what the ordinary path is but I'm still like taking this little step to do something that does feel better for me like I think that's okay to kind of start really small there like it's most people probably aren't going to feel comfortable if you have that anxiety to just like totally go and you know like perform in front of people <laughs> so like you don't <laughs> have to do that yeah that's a very fair anxiety. I don't think a lot of people would really want to do that. I feel like it might be helpful too if you're someone who feels more comfortable having a friend around. So like for you, you have Melissa, you kind of know her, your friends to a degree. I mean, you've just met, but she's cool. I like her. So <laughs> that's helpful because she already kind of has a bit of a foundation there as someone who does utilize positive reinforcement in her training. 
So I feel like she would be a good support system for you. And other people might have people who are similar or just more open-minded that might be able to talk about it and kind of see the process without it being like a total stranger who might judge them a little bit. So someone maybe like, you can talk to your trainer if your trainer is really nice or another barn friend. Like there are usually people in the barn that other people know that wasn't the case for me. But for most people, they like start taking lessons or something and make a barn friend. So that could be an option too. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I definitely can't relate. Never really had barn <laughs> friends. Um, <laughs> I didn't I really always, either. Yeah. <laughs> Even before I did positive reinforcement or anything, I was like, just kind of not really into the whole, like a lot of, a lot of the kids at my barn did like barrel racing and would like go to rodeos and stuff like that. And I was like, just sort of like, oh, I just want to ride bareback in the field. And so <laughs> I didn't really have as much in common with them. And so I didn't really have horse friends as a child, but actually like being older, I have made more horse friends and kind of been able to find more people who I feel like I have things in common with. And it's definitely, I think, better for this situation if you do have somebody in person. But if you don't have anybody in person, there always is like people online that you can kind of talk to in the positive reinforcement community. I know that's been a really empowering community for me to be a part of. And I you think it has been for you as well so a community like that is, I think is really helpful and then you could even do say like something that I did that really kind of helped me feel kind of like I don't know legitimized in what I was doing was I actually did Adele's foundation course and I would be like very vocal with people who would see what I was doing I would be like I'm doing this class with this really accomplished like well-known trainer and then that kind of felt like it was giving me some credibility to be like yeah this is like a legit thing this is a really cool like actually good thing that I'm learning from a professional who is very well recognized and so like you shouldn't have to do that you can just totally <laughs> learn however works best for you but for me like doing something like that working with a professional and being able to tell people like yeah, I'm working with a professional kind of made me feel like I was um, not just like some like random person doing something weird, but like, oh, I'm like <laughs> trying this thing with this really qualified person. So that's also another tip. If you, you know, have an, a trainer you can work with, an in-person trainer would be really cool or just an online trainer as well. Yeah, I think that can be really empowering and kind of validating, I guess, for training in general, because I know like with dog training, I get talked down a lot because it is still pretty common for people to use a lot of punishment in dog training, not so much as it is with horses, but it's still pretty normal. So if I like say something on a Facebook post or something, they're like, oh no, there's the armchair trainer. <laughs> so it can be really helpful to be like, well, actually I'm learning from this person and I've taken this course and just kind of, I guess, talking yourself up in a way, but it's just helpful to have a professional to work under so that you know you're not just like you said some weird person doing some weird thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and even if you are like really well accomplished and even if you are like sort of working to be a professional trainer or even are already a professional trainer it's still totally fine to learn from other professionals I mean I think we really should normalize professionals continuing to learn from other professionals in like any 
field and I think especially training and most of the like clicker training professionals that I know do do that and they take lessons with other trainers or they at least like attend clinics and sort of like courses and stuff like that and I think that's really useful and so yeah like even if you feel like I don't want to be taking a beginner course I'm too like advanced or whatever like it's really fine there's a lot you can learn even from beginner courses so definitely would recommend doing that yeah and there's really a lot out there you wouldn't think so but you can find quite a bit Adele's course is a great one but I think it is out of a lot of people's price range it can be kind of expensive it's worth it but it is a little pricier but there's also some like the IABC has an equine enrichment course that's like 20 bucks nothing to do specifically with training but it's still something and there's some other ones too I can't think of like any off the top of my head but there's a lot out there and even just working with a trainer virtually is still something and I think continuing your education whether you're a professional or not is really important yeah I agree too I think that can be really really helpful and then you know we've talked a lot about like kind of getting serious about it and like taking class with a professional or whatever. But on the other hand, I also want to make sure we say like, you don't have to be really serious about it. You don't have to do a course, like working with horses is supposed to be fun. And so if like, really, you just want to hand graze your horse or whatever, that's also totally fine. Like you don't need really any fancy type of classes or anything if that's not what you want. I mean, I do think it's very beneficial. And I do think it's very good to learn about um but if you're just sort of someone who just kind of wants to like spend time with your horse then that's also fine and I've been there too like a lot of in later in Coco's later life I just like to be around her and groom her and feed her some treats and hang out and then kind of let her go back with her friends and a lot of the time I just sit and watch the herd for you know a half hour or so and so I'd like maybe be with her for a half hour watch the herd for a half hour and then leave so like, I don't know. I think if that's what you want to do, that's also fine. And I think for me, it helped me because I did have an older horse who was like mostly retired. So it was like, I didn't have to explain to people why I wasn't working with her because pretty much everybody that knew me and her knew that she had gone through health issues and she was in her late twenties and stuff. And so she didn't really, there wasn't like an expectation that she, you know, needed a job, which the whole needing a job thing is just not true anyway but I think it can help too if you do work with like an older horse or a horse that isn't like you know in its top like you know physical health and age and whatnot like obviously we want our horses to be healthy but sometimes those sort of like pasture pets who aren't like what we would typically think of as a really like expensive or like you know quote-unquote high quality horse those ones sometimes there's a little bit less judgment there Yeah, that's really true. I'm actually really surprised that I haven't gotten many comments about riding Pharaoh yet because he's six now. So like that's old and traditional training. (laughs) Like I would usually be riding at two if I were working traditionally or even younger sometimes. So I'm really actually pretty pleased that I haven't got many comments like that. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. I guess maybe like you've (laughs) built up a good circle of people who actually understand how things should be done (laughs) which is good (laughs) yeah thankfully I mean a lot of outsiders like if I go get hay or like 
go to the feed store to get grain they'll ask if I ride typically and then I'm like no not really <laughs> and then people look at me funny but <laughs> you know it's just it's so normalized that horses are for riding and that's it and it's unfortunate because some of us do just like to spend time with our horses out of the saddle and riding is great I'd love to do it more but it's not my priority yeah I agree with that completely I think it's like riding is really cool but it's not my priority either and it's not a lot of people's priority and I think that will become more normalized in the coming years because I think kind of positive reinforcement and other training methods that really focus on the horse's autonomy and like letting the horse have a say in what they do are becoming a lot more popular. And so I think that will kind of be able to center other things besides riding, hopefully. So hopefully we'll see that kind of getting more popular in the next few years. And then I guess like also, if you do feel like burnt out or a lot of anxiety or anything like that, it's okay to not go to the barn too. like assuming your horse doesn't need you to like feed them or do like basic care things assuming like you are boarding at a barn that cares for your horse and also assuming that they have their basic needs met like they're going to be pretty happy just kind of hanging out with their friends and being a horse so it's also okay if you do want to take a little bit of time off or even not time off but maybe just go out less frequently like maybe you were going every day and now you're going to go every few days instead of every day that's totally fine. Obviously, that kind of only applies to people who are boarding and not doing self-care or having them at their house, but I do think that can be helpful. Or even if you do do self-care or have them at your house, maybe there's somebody who can help you just temporarily or even if they're just like doing it with you. Like I know you have your husband who can maybe help you a little bit um, and people may have like a friend or a family member or something who can help them a little. I know that, again, that's not like accessible to everyone, but it could be an option if it is. Yeah, you definitely don't have to train every day. Most horses are pretty happy to just kind of exist in the pasture as long as their needs are met and they have buddies. I used to train literally every single day, and that was really exhausting for me, <laughs> and that was when they were boarded too, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of self-care. I fed grain, but the barn owner took care of all the water and hay and like picking up poop and everything so it was pretty minimal work in that regard but training every day can be a lot it's emotionally draining for the person usually and the horse so it's totally fine to cut down on how many days you're training or maybe if you're someone who does multiple sessions in a day you cut down on the amount you do there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah, exactly. And I know it can be really hard too for people who do train horses or do something or other with horses, like professionally, like if it's a, if it's your income or at least a part of your income, it can be really tough to deal with burnout with that. And I honestly don't have a lot of, of tips for that because it's just not something that I personally dealt with because I actually am way more towards the anxiety side than the burnout side. I do experience burnout a little bit, but I mostly experience anxiety about it and I also am not a professional so I just don't really you know have a lot of experience with either of those things but I do think that that makes it a lot tougher when you are relying on it for your income. Yeah I agree for me I don't deal with a ton of anxiety because they're at home but like if I know the neighbor's going to be out or something, I'll intentionally not train at that time. And it's ridiculous because he doesn't care. He's just walking his dog, but it's just that overthinking. It's, it happens. 
I feel so much less anxiety now that they're home though than I did ever boarding somewhere. The burnout I experience, but it's like kind of on and off. And it's, I think more just burnout from life in general, not necessarily training. So that's a little more complicated too. That makes sense. And I think too, maybe for people who do train professionally, having clients who do agree with your sort of like vision of horse training. Um, I'm assuming, you know, at least for me and for you and for probably most of the people listening to this podcast, that involves like really taking things slow and like centering the horse's voice and allowing them to communicate what they like or don't like and, you know, working with primarily positive reinforcement. And I think having clients that agree with that can really help. Obviously you can still get burnt out, but I think like if you have to deal with clients who are being critical or judgmental, that can also be maybe tougher and lead to a lot more stress. So um, I definitely think being okay with like being a little selective with your clients, like in terms of their beliefs and making sure you're working with people that work well with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously we want as many people to have access to positive reinforcement training as possible. So you know, there's something to be said there for trying to work with people who aren't fully on board yet, but I don't know, like, it's not really our job to work with people who are going to like cause stress for us. So just kind of keeping that in mind, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I've thankfully had very few clients who are resistant to training because everyone I've worked with for the most part kind of knows what they're getting into. Like, at my actual workplace, it's very clear that it's a positive reinforcement based facility. And then for my own work, everything on my website pretty much (laughs) says that I use clicker training. So I think for me, having the ability to be a little more selective is really helpful. And unless someone is clearly like actively training and has some experience, I do require an initial consult too. So I can kind of get to know them and they can get to know me and we can see if that training style actually meshes with them in their life. So I think there's totally nothing wrong with that because if you're burnt out as a trainer, you can't help anyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every other Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.